3: It's the Tom Bernard Show, sitting in for Tom Bernard on this Freaky Friday. I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Molina. We'll be back with more and a look at the top 13 horror movies to watch on a Friday the 13th, next on the Tom Bernard Show.
2: Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walls or Way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the
4: latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap.
3: radio Dave Schrader taking the helm from Tom Bernard on his day off thanks for playing that Mike one of my favorite songs
5: it's definitely dark out there
3: it is it getting dark I haven't had a chance to look back out there Uh, it's about the same yeah (laughs) nothing but thunder yeah thunder okay that I get right it's April showers we should get a little thunder in the month of April but that it's turning into eight to maybe twelve inches of snow yeah, just ridiculous. Uh, what's going on? Where's the global warming? Do you understand <laughs> that whole aspect? No, no, not at all, but. Uh. The, it's here the megastorm named Zanto that meteorologists have been forecasting all week arrived in southern Minnesota Friday morning, spinning up the first severe thunderstorm of the season and dumping enough hail in some places to cover roads two inches deep. So that means there's going to be some good uh, car sales programs going on, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Thunderstorms with small hail were grazing the southern suburbs at 11 a.m. Friday as the leading edge of what the National Weather Service in Chanhassen is calling a memorable storm pushed its way into the Twin Cities. The Weather Channel dubbed it Xanto. Uh, am I saying that right? Is X-A-N-T-O Zanto? I believe so, yeah. All right. All right uh precipitation will fall mostly as rain throughout the day in the metro area before turning to all snow late in the evening friday the heaviest snow will fall saturday afternoon and will continue piling up until the storm winds or winds down on sunday morning eight inches is a pretty good bet said meteorologist jacob what what is this bite some folks could see 10 inches in western Minnesota, totals could easily surpass a foot in places such as Redwood Falls, Canby, and Marshall, and it would have uh, it wouldn't be inter- uh, surprising if some places see as many as 18 inches of snow.
5: Oh, that's great. That's it sure.
3: wasn't it wasn't snow that turned the ground white in Comfrey, Minnesota, though, uh, but rather pea-sized hail. Roads were covered with two inches of hail in the western Minnesota town, the National Weather Service said. Dime-size hail also covered the grounds in places such as Sleepy Eye, St. Peter, and New Ulm. Earlier, strong winds gusting at over 50 miles per hour toppled power lines along i-90 near magnolia minnesota as the storm grabbed moisture from the gulf of mexico that mixed with cold air from the north the storm has damaged power lines in rock county leaving 1700 households without power authorities said on friday the storm hit in the area at around 9 a.m resulting in power shutdown in the southern half of the county and uh Wow, the wind is blowing, and we're bracing for the storm, they've said. Elsewhere, the storm was growing, too. Heavy rains hit Nicolet County at 9 a.m., continuing until noon. Justin Block from the sheriff's office said he had not received any damage reports from the area. I think I remember the latest snowstorm we ever had probably about a decade ago, and I think it was near, like, the third weekend in May. (laughs) And it was just like out of the blue, we'd had, you know, 40, 50, 55, 60 degree weather. And then all of a sudden, like that Thursday, sky started to cloud up, gray up. Friday, it got really cold. And then Saturday, we got pummeled. And I think we got like seven or eight inches in a day. Uh, and then it was gone like two days later. But that was the latest I remember of ever having a, a snowstorm. Did you? How hard was it for you to get a snow day when you were a kid? Um, Actually, it was
5: Uh, it was actually more difficult than the kids that went to public school because, uh, going to private school, uh, we did not uh, use the bus service. Like all the kids either walked or their parents, you know, drove them to and from school. And so we somehow got around it. Plus a lot of people would complain if we ever did get one because we were paying tuition and people were like, you know, uh, but in college it was even more difficult. The U rarely ever shuts down. Sure. And uh, we did get one. It was like the first in like oh, over a decade. And that was pretty
3: crazy. I grew up in Illinois. And I don't remember having a whole lot of snow days. As a matter of fact, I remember specifically one snow day. The snow started heavy in the morning. And by two 2.30 in the afternoon, the snow was like past your knees outside. <laughs> and they, they decided at that point to call all of our parents because I went to a private school too. I went to Trinity Lutheran Grade School in Roselle, Illinois. And they decided to call our parents and say, you know what, we're going to shut down the school. And parents are like at work or at home. And they're like, yep. Uh, how are we going to get there? And it was it was the weirdest. It was like a scene out of, uh, you know, a zombie apocalypse movie because it was coming down so hard. It, all you could see was gray in the background. And you just see these shuffling figures coming through this, this <laughs> blizzard. And it was all of our parents walking to get us. And my dad had to carry me like because the, the snow on him was knee deep. And wow. I was like. I don't know, 10 years old, so the snow to me is almost up to my hips. I couldn't step through the thing. So he'd carry me for part of it, set me down, and then we'd trudge through or we could, and then he'd have to lift me back up to get me (laughs) through the snow. And they didn't close school now. But this year alone, I think we've had three snow days where there was not a drop of snow on the ground Yeah, yep, because they heard snow was coming.
5: Yeah, What the? But see, then they screw it up, or at least they did in St. Paul where I live because there was a snowstorm that they did not – you know cancel class for and uh, the bus system in the pm on the way home right was crazy like you had kids there were reports of people being dropped off 10 11 even midnight being stuck on a bus because
3: no it, kidding
5: yeah and so parents were outraged rightfully so right. i mean if your kid especially the younger kids because they were released later in the day sure so you know if you have a, a elementary school aged kid who's on a bus till 11 p.m. It's like, what the heck's going on here?
3: (laughs) Well, they had, uh, yeah, we had, I think it was just a month ago, we had that Monday that, remember that Snowmageddon was coming? Yeah. And it was going to hit, and it was going to hit hard Sunday night. So at like 7 o'clock on Sunday night, we start getting calls from our kids' school. No school tomorrow, no school. And then snow didn't hit until like 4.30 in the afternoon, well after buses would have taken kids home, right? Yeah. And then it snowed. Until the next day at around noon. But the kids had to go to school that day when there's all the snow on the ground. My son's out there, and he's like, Dad, I think I missed the bus. I've been standing out there for a half an hour. I'm like, I don't think you missed the bus, buddy. I just think the bus has not come yet. And as we're talking, all of a sudden you could hear the rumbling of the bus, so he had to trudge back out there. So the bus picked him up about 40 minutes late, my my oldest son going into the high school. Um, So, yeah, it's strange to me how easy – it is nowadays to get a snow snow day. Yeah. Why is it? Do you think that they're just more because of more litigious issues? You want to try to keep the kids off the road in these buses, or
5: yeah, I, I think it's just a combination. Because like a, you know you hear about the reports of like a kid being trapped on a bus, you know late at night, and then you know that's gonna you know hit the news waves, and you're gonna get so much outrage, more outrage than if you were to cancel class and there is no snow. Yeah. I mean, just to play it safe because, you know, it is children and everything like that. And I think they do factor in, you know, if you have X amount of snow days in, a, in one school year that they're going to have to stay, you know, a day or two later.
3: Right. Come June. Well, so. The other, then there's the other extreme in Minnesota, something I'd never heard of before. They canceled school in May. We were living in the Centennial School District. Huh. And they canceled school in May like three or four times because the temperatures were so hot Wow! that the classrooms, they didn't have the air or the central air wasn't able to keep up. So they didn't want the kids just sitting in classrooms sweating. So they canceled school because of heat.
5: Wow. I wish I had that because I I went to St. Matthew's uh, Roman Catholic School in St. Bernard's and both schools did not have air conditioning. And, you know, we had to wear uniforms too. And it was like – The shorts were not an option, No. so it was just, uh,
3: oh. Oh, Tell me, was it the wool jacket and the Uh, pleated pants?
5: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was, uh, there were not many options when it came to the uniform, so (laughs) I was like, oh.
3: Yeah, we had, uh, I remember, Mr. Homp, I remember walking into our class when I went to Trinity, and I don't think we had air conditioning at Trinity either. Uh, We just had those little windows that kind of fold out. Yep. Yep, and it was stifling, and he comes walking in our room, and he's like, "My God, let's just go outside. This room stinks like a sweat sock." And so we all, our our time for class was spent outside in the uh, in the um, uh, outdoors because it was just so bad and hot and nasty smelling. Uh, we've got a couple of weird stories that popped up here. I wanted to mention. Check out this headline: "Mom's obituary helps feds catch a 1981 prison escapee." He walked away from a nine-year sentence. According to the news source, it says investigators say a woman's obituary helped federal agents capture her fugitive son nearly four decades after he escaped from an Oklahoma prison. The U.S. Marshals Service says 58-year-old Stephen Michael Paris was arrested without incident Thursday at an office in uh, Houston where he worked under a pseudonym, the AP reports. The agency says investigators tracked him down After an obituary for his mother in Houston, listed a son named Stephen Chavez, the same alias Paris used while living and working in the Houston area. Fingerprints confirmed his identity. Paris escaped from the Jess Dunn Correctional Center in Muskogee in October of 1981 after serving about 19 months of a nine-year sentence for drug possession and distribution. Can you believe that? 40 years this guy's been on the run. And what gets him is his mom's obituary giving his alias name, Mike. That's karma. Karma's coming for you. Uh, Then, uh, again, this was just another one of those stories where the headlines grabbed me uh, by the attention. And and we're joined right now, Acme Comedy Club. We've got uh, Mike Kaplan in studio with us. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you join us. I'm happy to join. Killer clown investigators have used DNA from hair samples to make a cold case arrest. We're going to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. After U.S. Marshals arrested Sheila Keene Warren in Virginia during a traffic stop last year, she had no idea that she had become the accused shooter in the South Florida's Killer Clown case from 27 years earlier. Where are we going? Am I under arrest? And for what? Is my husband under arrest? Those were just some of the 54 year old woman's questions after she was taken out of her Cadillac Escalade and placed in the back of a sheriff's cruiser. Once inside the sheriff's headquarters, Keen Warren initially agreed to answer questions. She told police her nickname of Debbie and where she lived, but as soon as she was told she was under arrest for the May 26, 1990 slaying of Marlene Warren, aged 40, in Wellington, she put her head down on a desk and declined to say another word. The glimpse of Keen Warren's September 26 capture and the renewed investigation that led to it after all of these years is detailed in files released Thursday by the Palm Beach County State Attorney's Office in response to public records requests the records explain how recent testing of dna evidence was the key to cracking a case that had long gone cold but is now the center of a death penalty prosecution sheila keen warren is facing charges in the death of marlene warren in 1990 prosecutors are seeking the death penalty for the 54 year old woman accused of wearing a clown disguise during the may 26 1990 slaying of marlene warren in wellington keen warren has pleaded not guilty to a first-degree murder charge and is being held at the Palm Beach County Jail without bond. Her husband, Michael, was married to Marlene Warren, who was gunned down in her front doorway by a killer dressed in a clown suit, holding two balloons and flowers in one hand and a pistol in the other.
0: And I'm here to comment because uh, I am a comedian, which is like a clown.
3: Is that is that it? Should I be worried if you show up with balloons and a gun?
0: Uh, as long as I'm out of costume, everything's fine.
3: Good God. The clown fled in a white Chrysler LeBaron, which was found four days later, abandoned at a shopping center parking lot. Uh, Sheila Keen and Michael Warren were original suspects in the killing, but they were never charged. Keen, then 27, had been working for Michael Warren's used car dealership, Bargain Motors, of West Palm Beach, helping to repossess cars. Warren, who has long denied any role, was en route to Calder Racetrack with friends at the time his wife was shot. Authorities have said it remains to be seen if anyone else will be charged, but that the case remains open. During the original murder investigation, though, detectives discovered Warren was rolling back odometers on vehicles at his used car lot. He was convicted of racketeering and multiple other felonies and served nearly four years in a minimum security state prison at the Homestead Correctional Institution. He was released on New Year's Eve of 1997.
0: And I think also when he was rolling back the odometers, he was dressed as a clown as well.
3: Obviously. Yes. Did you you ever see the movie Used Cars?
0: I've not seen that movie. Oh,
3: geez. Mike, have you ever seen that one? Nope. That's another one of those classic comedies from the 80s I totally forgot about until recently. Sure. It's a Kurt Russell movie. Ah. Jack Warden's in it. It's Uh just a great – if you haven't seen it, get a chance to check it out. It's a funny movie. It's just – it's it's bawdy. It's gaudy. It's kind of in that Porky's – Sure. You know, Animal House kind of vein with, uh, with what they were doing, but it's a, a fun movie. Welcome to the uh, show, Mike. Thanks for joining
0: us today. Thank you so much for having me. Body and Gaudy. I like it.
3: Body and Gaudy. Well, we've got, uh, we've got a lot to chat about. We're going to chat more with you. And then in a little bit, we're going to be joined by the uh, good people at Dread Central, Fair. the premier online horror movie source okay. in the world. That's scary. And are you a horror movie fan?
0: I'm scared of them. Are you really? Uh, I mean i I don't love being scared, okay. and, uh, Because it's scary. <laughs> like there's a, the new movie out now the the Quiet Place. Yes,
3: with John Krasinski.
0: I'm am What I don't like is that it's getting so many great reviews and so many people saying wonderful things about it. Because I like to see good art, good movies, things that people recommend. Even so, like I I'll 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 do it, but I'm scared to do it but you're doing it uh, I against will. your will. Yes.
3: Well, let's, uh, we'll talk about some horror movie stuff and, uh, and more. Mike, are you a fan of horror movies? Yeah. Cool. We'll chat about that. We'll also hear from Dread Central a little later on in the show with their top 13 movie picks for Friday the 13th, right here on The Tom Bernard Show.
2: Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock Flow docks are rock-solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to Flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flo's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC, or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flo docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutrimost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutrimost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramose is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramos has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramose to Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramos client and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake's City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from NeutraMost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. Send in the clown.
3: Not the ones with guns, though. It bliss? What a voice. You know, I just don't hear singers like this anymore. All right, we're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom, we'll be back with you on Monday, sitting in studio with me from Acme Comedy Club this weekend, Mike Kaplan. Mike, uh, what time are the shows?
0: Uh, Tonight at 8 and 1030, and uh, tomorrow, Saturday, at 8 and 1030.
3: Cool. So there are a few tickets still available. Can they find it online at
0: Acme Comedy Club? I think it's acmecomedycompany.com, and I'm sure that you can go online, get tickets, and and, and or call the club. Or I'm not not sure. I don't know how many are left, but get them quick. I don't know.
3: They didn't tell me. You're a lucky man, right? you just came here from New York, which is now, what, at 76 degrees? Yeah,
0: thank God. I, I love winter. I love being cold and rained on and having it be like a snow emergency. I don't even know if I might be here forever. There's a, a storm coming. When, I like, you know, I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones. Winter is here. Yes. So.
3: Yeah, and it doesn't leave Minnesota. No. It holds us, and it's... Tightly iced talons,
0: like a zombie.
3: At least the good thing is, Minnesotans will go out. We we're not afraid of going out and having fun on a on a snowy, crappy day.
0: I actually, sincerely, hadn't thought of that. That's wonderful. Yeah, you could go to like you know somewhere in the south where it's normally warm all the time and Mm -hmm. it rains a little bit. And you're like, well, I guess everybody's uh,
3: staying in. It's a ghost town. Afraid. (laughs) It's. I love that scene from. I think it was. What was it? About two, three years ago, Mike. When. Atlanta got an inch and a half of snow, and it looked like uh, The Walking Dead. Ha. Oh yeah, did you see that, Mike? I forgot. I, I forgot got two mics here. Oh yeah, there was they they got like I think it was an inch inch and a half of snow, and they were showing video footage, and everybody in Minnesota was laughing hysterically because cars are pulled off to the sides of the road, people are huddled and mo- they're sleeping in Seven Elevens. People wouldn't go down the highway because they couldn't drive in the inch inch and a half of snow, and
0: they were eating each other because yeah, they couldn't exactly. get to the grocery Very store. Much.
3: Yeah. Like that, uh, so you get you get to travel and see all over the world. I do. Yeah, where's the where's the far the farthest reaches you've gone now?
0: Uh, I went to Australia a couple of years ago. Oh, very cool. Uh, that was fun to be a part of the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And this summer, I get to go to. I'm going to be doing a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Fest over in scotland so that'll be exciting i go to canada a fair amount i've been to alaska i think that's like the farthest north that i've been
3: yeah but that's just parts of america really
0: you're right yeah. i'm sorry that i answered your question in a boring way uh why well, i flew over parts of canada i went to peru once uh that was that was exciting i did not do comedy there no
3: no, I would guess that would be hard to translate.
0: Uh, I mean, I would, I would, I could definitely talk right? uh, in the the English language that I speak, and probably, I mean, there's certainly more people uh, whenever I travel anywhere that English isn't the uh, the the number one language. Right. Th- there's way more people that understand me than I understand them. So,
3: right, that's uh, what we find. I, you know, I go, I'm going to Romania this September ah. with a bunch of our listeners, and we're gonna go kind of follow all of these haunted trails of, of where Vlad the Impaler
0: was known to exist. Ooh, sure. That's all like the castles and the, such, the Dracula inspiration. Right. right.
3: And they said, uh, th- th- they were funny. The guides are like, listen, don't be the ugly Americans here because they may not speak English but they understand it very clearly, and they know exactly what you're saying, and you really just don't want to be that guy in this country.
0: Especially if you are doing a horrible Romanian accent, pretending. Don't tell them that you vaunt to do anything. (laughs)
3: No. And actually, in Romania, the people that do speak English are more clear and easy to understand than when I've been to Ireland and Scotland When they're speaking English. I have no clue what three-quarters of the conversations I had while I was out and abroad.
0: This podcast brought to you by Romania. (laughs) Everybody check out Fly Romania. Live in Romania. Enjoy. Romania? I don't even know if I'm saying it right. My apologies. Romania. Romania. (laughs)
3: GoRomania.com. It's Romania
0: mania here. Are you
3: you, uh, superstitious at all? I know a lot of entertainers kind of carry some of that with them.
0: Uh, I guess that I would, uh, short answer, no. And I don't know whose joke this is, but long answer, no. <laughs> that somebody, somebody's really funny and said that, and I don't remember who it is, and whoever you are, good work. But, I mean, I guess we, I feel superstitions when you think about like you know if you walk under a ladder or if you oh i'm, I'm looking at the atlanta, atlanta. uprising we, <laughs> a couple of years ago um i think that there's no way to know like if there's anything specific like you know if you were wearing certain clothes and a thing happened like right. you know there's certainly all kinds of Things that happen that are coincidences that you don't know about. What might be, you know, the reasons for things that. So, I guess, what superstitions do you like? What's an example of a superstition that you'd like to know about? And the answer is probably no, I'm not.
3: Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm curious because I've, I've come in contact with a lot of entertainers over the years, and and I've watched them prior to them going out to either sing or perform or do comedy, and sometimes they've got rituals that they do prior to what they. They'll always go up and they'll start with a glass of scotch before they go out on stage, mm. or they have to have two bottles of Evian separated by six inches on the stools and you're like what and he's like dude i'm just telling you every time it has not been that way my show goes to hell in a handbasket
0: and here's what i would say about that is i mean i do have some like rituals or traditions in my like daily experience like i get up and i meditate for 20 minutes most mornings unless there's some reason if i have to catch an early flight or you have to do something you know go get up early for radio and then maybe i'll do it later but that for me is not a matter of superstition it's a matter of you know there's it actually does something like for me, for my consciousness, for, and if I didn't do it, I might not feel the same way that I did if I did do it, but I don't think it's a matter of luck. And so similarly, I think if you have things that have comforted you, you know, if having, you know, a certain talisman or a bottle of water or, you know, crystal or so what, whatever it is that makes you feel the way that it makes you want to feel, uh, if you don't have that thing, then you don't have that feeling. And that feeling could be the thing that makes you feel like you aren't Having the experience that you wish you would, like it it could be you know a kind of placebo effect or a self fulfilling prophecy that. So it's not to say that not having the thing caused you know somebody in the audience to be a bad audience member, but it could just affect your you know your mood and your psyche and your emotional state, which is also a powerful thing. So I think that like the same way that you know we might not have free will, but it makes sense to act as though we do just because just in case we do, it's good to act like we do. Uh, (laughs) But if we don't, and you're like, well, I guess I'm just gonna lay here well then you were fated delay there well get up and do pretend like you're doing whatever you want to do and you know it's a kind of like fake it until you make it thing and you know because otherwise if it's all fake then it doesn't matter what you do and but if it isn't all fake then it does matter what you do so why not do the things that you want to do and that make you feel good and as long as it's not you know a, uh, as far as your rituals go, if they're like, if it's like, yeah, I just put, I put the water here, like, fine, great. I don't, I'm not going (laughs) to tell anyone not to put water where they want to put water. Uh, but if they, you know, if it, if it causes them great degrees of, uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, like I, I want people to feel good, feel good and uh, comfortable and fulfilled. And if your rituals help you do that, then wonderful. And if they don't hey, do whatever you want.
3: Now, it kind of surprises me that you do meditation Mm -hmm. because a lot of entertainers I know and, And uh, engage with, their mind's going a thousand miles an hour. I can't quiet. I've tried meditation on numerous accounts and and I can't get my mind to shut up. I can't, it's just constant chatter. Whether I use like guided meditation and you've got that, you're on a nice plane and the clouds are surrounding you. There are no troubles in the world. And then my mind starts going, well, there is a fact I haven't paid my electric bill. Is that late yet? And I can't shut that, that motor off. Do you have trouble with that? Or is that what's trained you so that you can maybe uh, I, plug in a little bit better to the creativity.
0: I would say uh, that I was like I, – I used to think that I wouldn't be able to, mm-hmm. you know, sit still, do whatever I – the stereotype or the caricature of meditation that I thought it was. I didn't know what it was. I was like, why do I want to sit and just be quiet when I'm – you know, there are always things to do and places to go and, you know, t- bad TV shows to watch. Like I can't <laughs> meditate for 20 minutes. I have to put my – put crap in my mind. And – uh Now, now I'll watch one fewer bad TV show a day and meditate, but (laughs) sincerely, uh, like the, the guided meditation that I use is the app Headspace, uh, which is basically this guy, you know, gives you, there's different packets that you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the initial one, he's basically, I think it's really good for, it was good for me as a person who'd never meditated for him to be like, this is, I'm just going to tell you like, you know, how to sit, you know, like sit, basically sit, sitting up in a comfortable way and breathe and then focus on your breath and sometimes visualize things, but mostly like in the beginning, it's like just f- focusing on breathing in and breathing right. out. And then he's like, if you get distracted, that's okay. Just note when you get distracted, if you're like, oh, I got distracted, now I'm back. Like, and it's a matter of sort of, you know, getting to this clear blue sky that exists within you and like all of your thoughts and emotions and ideas and things that come across your, you know, consciousness's view, those are like clouds and you can just like, oh, there's that cloud and let it pass like, there's that one and let it pass and then eventually like, Like, I think for me, it has helped, like, train me to, like, be able to do that in life, to not, you know, dwell in things that I can't deal with at the time or, you know, just be like, well, that is something that I'll address later. And I specifically, I went, I had a massage a couple days ago, uh, and I don't have massages frequently. I probably had, like, you know, a single-digit number in my entire life, (laughs) but I remember the first one I ever got was probably, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. Like, I just started doing comedy, maybe, and was, I remember... Being anxious about the fact that I wouldn't have like my notebook or my recorder that I'm like I'm gonna be lying here for like 45 minutes at least 45 minutes an hour And i'm I'm, i usually have thoughts that I want to record. I usually have I what if I have an idea I don't want to forget it. I don't want to lose it And so I remember thinking about that during that time and it it sort of you know Was counter to the idea of the massage of which is to relax, you know to make me feel You know calm and comforted and good and I was like, what if I think of things? Oh, no (laughs) and uh, I feel good now that, you know, like a decade later, uh, after some meditation practice, after some growth, uh, just, you know, personally, and other experiences that led me to a place where during this massage, I now I now understand that also every time that I meditate, I don't, if I have a thought that is like, oh, that could be a joke idea, or like a life philosophy thought, or some something that I might want to remember, I'm like, well, if it's, I'll either remember it or I won't. And if I don't remember it, when, when I get out of the massage or out of the meditation state, then that's fine. I won't even remember that I forgot it. I won't even know that it existed, and that's okay. And if it was, like, a valuable, important thing, then probably a lot of those I will remember. I'll be like, what did I think? Oh, yeah, that's the thing that I thought. And I can also sort of now have, I don't know, like, I have, I've read about memory palaces, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, ways you can visualize things to not forget them. And for me, sometimes I like, I think while I was at this massage, I thought of like four things and they, they started with the first three started with the letters like B, N and K. And then I thought of one that started with A and I'm like, just remember bank. That's all I have to remember is bank. And then at the end of my session, I could remember the four things that I wanted to, that I thought over the course of that hour. And if I hadn't, that would have been okay as well.
3: Wow, look at you, Zen master. I mean... Do you find after you're done with these uh, meditations, does your creativity seem to come a little bit more easily? Maybe you're not
0: as... Clouded? You, you just more open and intuitive to it? Uh, I'm not. I'm not positive because I creativity has never been uh, like you know the problem. Like mm-hmm. I've never really had like writer's block. Like I feel like I thought like maybe a few years into comedy, I came up with a great joke, and then didn't come up with what I thought was as good a joke for like months. And I was like, was that it? Is that the last great joke that I'm ever going to write? And you know, like <laughs> three months later, I I you know over the. It's sort of always an ongoing process where I'm like, oh, the thought that I had two weeks ago now becomes. A a great joke that I make, you know, two months from now, and so I can't just be, you know, evaluating every moment. Is this better? Is this is this good? Is this good enough? Because that's gonna, you know, drive me. Uh, bonkers. Do, and do you ever
3: get a, a, like that gem, that germ of a joke, and you're like, yes, yes. And you come to Minnesota and you haven't been to Minnesota before, and the, the opening guy comes out and does a joke and, and almost hits exactly the same topic, and you're like, oh, well, what am I going to do now?
0: And then I just have that guy, uh, you know, silently taken care of. By a uh, clone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dress up, and uh, I've said too much, but uh, <laughs> certainly, I mean, I think the idea before I like, I mean, I tweeted something the other day and about gun control and some. But he was like, hey, Jim Jeffries did that in his special. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I I won't tweet it again. And I won't say it out loud because I didn't know that that particular thought had been said. Like, there's so many of us. There's so right. many comedians coming up with so many ideas all of the time. Like, it would be ridiculous for this to not happen. So exactly. I, I feel like the goal is to, for it to not to be... You know, for me to not be too precious about, like, this is the idea that's going to send me skyrocketing. This is the number. <laughs> like, also, like, most of the ideas that I have, you know, are coming from my own, uh, you know, I, this is a weird thing to say, like, my own experience. But, obviously, everybody is, right. you know, a human being experiencing not all similar things, but... Uh, I can, I do my best to make everything my own and a thing that wouldn't be a thing that other people would say, even though, of course, like for social justice issues or for, you know, those kinds of things that were you know, people who are against racism and sexism and transphobia and homophobia, like we're, you know, everybody's drawing from the same pool of, you know, of topics. Uh, so it might be that you come up with this. If, if there's a lot of people coming up with the same ideas about how to make society and the world and humans, you know, kinder, uh, then I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, right. People yeah. can have those. If you come up with a great joke about how to encourage kindness, then I'm uh, I'm not going to be mad at you. Well,
3: and then listen, comedians live kind of off of topical situations, right? Not only your own life situations, but what's going on in the world around you. It would sure. be almost impossible to not have these kind of mental collisions where you're going to kind of be creative in the same vein as others.
0: It can be so.
3: But at least, thankfully, we have our families and dysfunctional lives to fall back on to make it our own, right?
0: Uh, Thank goodness. (laughs) And also, we're all one, so all the ideas that we have are all of ours.
3: Exactly. Let's. uh, We're going to take a break, and then uh, we're going to be joined by uh, the guys from Dread Central, great, your horror movie uh, source for all the greatest ideas and what's going on in the world of horror, sci-fi, and and action adventure. And then we'll uh, we'll chat with them about that. And the movies are you you timed out? Can you stay here with us into the next hour? Happy to stay. Excellent. We'll do that. And you can check out Mike Kaplan at Acme Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. Go check out the information online. We'll have a link up for it as well. Stay tuned. We've got more coming your way. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Top of Show. I'm
2: here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl. And after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got?
5: We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindall team is hosting our sellerworkshop.com series, where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free.
2: So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch?
5: Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Crystal team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to sellerworkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket.
2: The Seller Workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit sellerworkshop.com or call 763 401 sol Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning.
3: back on the Tom Bernard show. Mike Kaplan, comedian is with me from Acme Comedy Club this weekend. You can get tickets and information by checking out their website. Also joining us on the line from dreadcentral.com, Jonathan Barcon. Jonathan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for very much for having
3: me. Oh, it's a pleasure to join you and, and uh, talk about this because everybody, you know, Halloween is that key time of year when everybody wants to tune in for horror movies and the other time that everybody seems to really scramble and look for something interesting and weird to watch are Friday the 13th and I thought let's go to the source. If I want information on what's coming up in the world of sci-fi, horror, and action, I always check DreadCentral.com so I threw out the uh, the cursory blow to you guys. Hey, I need a list of 13 of the top horror movies for people to check out today and you were quick to jump to the call jonathan so i appreciate that
1: well it's definitely my pleasure always happy to share in my love of horror
3: excellent well let's first of all how long has dread central been around dread
1: central is actually going to be celebrating its 12th year uh later this year so we've been around for quite a while
3: congratulations what uh when you're looking at horror movies too and i know one of the things i threw out to you was you know i a good blend of different horror movies but there's been this kind of cycling through of this gore porn, right? Where it's just, it's not even really horror anymore. It's just, what can we throw at you that's horrifying and violent and destructive? And it really pays no, you know, pays no attention to an actual story.
0: Can I also ask a quick question about the definition of horror as like compared to suspense? Like is one a subset of the other or is there some line that delineates between like this is definitely a suspense movie or a thriller and this one is what does it take to be horror? Because like I mean Get Out is a movie that I loved this past year which I think would be called horror but doesn't have like a ton of gore but had you know sort of the you know the just the implications and the insinuations and it was in a way kind of I mean horrifying to me. But also if somebody was like, that's suspense, that's not horror, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I'm not an expert.
3: Yeah, what is the line on that, Jonathan?
1: I think it really depends on the type of film that you're watching. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of suspense and thriller movies that don't fall in the line of horror simply because they focus on a different sort of topic. For example, you look at political thrillers. And yes, they're going to be very thrilling and exciting, but they're not going to have a horror element, whereas Get Out certainly does have that element, because it is meant to instill a sense of horror in what's happening to the characters on screen. Hmm.
3: See, I always looked at, when I go to look for the horror movies, I was always blown away that in that category, I would find Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. And that never appealed oh, to me well. as a horror movie as it did a suspense thriller. Sure. And, and, but I guess when you look at that, you don't get more horrific than Silence of the Lambs, which is one of the best out there. But let's go over some of the lists that you've got prepared for us today.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, when I compiled this list, what I wanted to do was avoid some of the more known horror films that everyone has seen, the Nightmare on Elm Street, the Halloweens. And so I was thinking back to some of my personal favorites, not only uh, – in horror, but also kind of across time, across uh, borders. So the ones that I came up with to start off, we have The Hitcher by Robert Harmon. Yes. I also went with Darkness, the Anna Paquin film directed by Jaume Balaguero. And earlier this year, we saw Mike Flanagan's Before I Wake hit Netflix after many years in quote-unquote developmental hell. Uh, where it was just kind of lingering, waiting for a release. So if you haven't seen that one, it's a phenomenal film. I highly recommend it.
3: Before I Wake? Uh, Have you seen that one, Before I Wake,
1: yeah.
0: I haven't, but I do love the movie uh, Developmental Hell.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What's the the kind of uh, basis for Before I Wake?
1: Before I Wake follows a husband and wife who decide to adopt a young boy after they lose their son in a tragic accident, Now, it turns out that this young boy that they adopt has a very special but dangerous gift in that when he dreams, his dreams come to reality. They come to life. Now, that sounds all well and good. The problem is he's a young boy, and what happens when he has a nightmare? Oh, what what happens?
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Uh. You
1: have to see it.
3: (laughs) Uh, I'll add that to my list. And people can find it if they follow you on uh, Twitter as well. You're going to post this list up, correct?
1: Yes, I am going to post this list up, and I will also retweet it from the Dread Central account, so if people can't find me at my name, at Jonathan Barkan, they can just look on Twitter for Dread Central, and they will see that list on there.
3: All right, so we've got The Hitcher, which I agree with. Great movie. Darkness, you've got Before I Wake, then where are we off to?
1: Then we're going to go into Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. Now, I know a lot of people would think I'd recommend Hellraiser, but I have a much bigger soft spot in my heart for this uh, Scott Bakula-led flick. Then we've got Chuck Russell's The Blob remake. And I know that I sent you a list. I actually switched it up a little bit uh, because I saw a phenomenal movie earlier this morning called Gunjyam Haunted Asylum. It's from South Korea. It is coming out in limited theaters today. So you'd have to kind of look at your local listings to see (laughs) if it made it. But it's a Uh, found footage film set in a haunted asylum that is apparently a real place in South Korea and is considered one of the most haunted and terrifying places on planet Earth.
3: Now, is this dubbed in English, or is it uh, subtitles?
1: So I saw it subtitled, which is my preferred method. If I'm going to see a foreign film, I want to hear the actual language that it's spoken in.
0: I I prefer to actually learn Korean so that I can (laughs) go... That's what I recommend the most. You know,
1: I've actually heard that you can learn how to read Korean in something like 15 to 20 minutes. Now, understanding what you're saying is a completely different matter altogether.
0: <laughs> that part I don't care about. I just want to be able to make the sounds and know what sounds people are See, making.
3: The problem I have with a horror movie is if you have to read it, I feel like I'm not paying attention to the center part, which is really kind of the pictures that they paint in your mind. Um, when you're watching a horror movie so like this veronica that everybody's ranting and raving about that just hit netflix people are saying it's so scary they've turned it off halfway through i watch five minutes of it and i'm like i i just can't get into it because i'm spending my whole time reading the damn thing does that doesn't take away from that aspect for you
1: for me it's actually the opposite because i have to read it i'm so focused on keeping my eyes on the screen that i'm actually afraid to blink for fear that I'm going to miss something, reading is and so scary. <laughs> it, it is. It's such a terrifying thing to do, especially in today's day and age. Oh yeah. Uh, what are you going to read yeah. next? <laughs> but with uh, with Gun Jam: Haunted Asylum*, it was one of those films where the the movie makes you focus so intently on every square inch of the screen because you're terrified of what might be lurking in the shadows that you can't pull your gaze away. So it's it's something that I highly recommend checking out.
3: What about Veronica? I know it's not on your list, but people are really raving about this movie. Where does Dread Central, or at least where does uh, Jonathan Barcon come down on this
1: movie? I enjoy it. I think it's something that's well worth watching. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of supporting horror, and so whenever something new comes out, even if I'm not a big fan of it, I always tell people to see it for themselves and to come up with their own opinions. So I know you said that you it off but i had a good
0: time with it can Very i ask cool. uh, a question about the sort of the similarities between comedy which i do and horror which mm-hmm. i avoid a lot is I, I also like i feel like the similarities include like timing is a big thing and you know there's all these you know mm-hmm. like uh, that, i'd say tensions that get raised and you know released in comedy with laughter and in horror with you know a scare a scream uh you know or something uh And I guess for me, I was just thinking now, like when I see comedy that, let's say, isn't my favorite, like somebody who's not, you know, somebody newer, somebody not as good, somebody not, I don't want to say not as artistic, but whatever it is, like sometimes there'll be like jokes that are not worth it. You know, if it's like about a serious topic or using certain, you know, language or content that I'm like, oh, that makes me feel bad as opposed to laughing. Whereas like, you know, somebody like Sarah Silverman can like talk about like the most sensitive of topics but because i know where she's coming from because of like the artistry that she uses like i'm like oh this is you know if you saw it on paper or you didn't know who was saying it you'd be like this is this is wrong or makes me feel bad but because it's coming from her the way that it does you're like oh wow this like actually makes it feel even better to have sort of this you know incongruous like you know the cognitive dissonance between what she says and what she means and the kind of satire and so i feel like in horror the same way for me like when i like a horror movie like like get out i feel like oh god and then it's worth it when like because it because of the story that it's servicing because of the heart because of what it's implanting in me whereas sometimes i feel like a lesser horror movie uh you know the the newer less experienced like where it's just like bah, you know like that's like the the equivalent of maybe like a shock comedian who's just like yeah i said that uh what well what did you say and why did you say it like why did you i just felt bad when you scared me and so for me i think that's that i'm realizing why i don't love horror is because obviously i love the best of horror because it's good because it's artistic because it's intelligent because it's creative because the highest level of any art form is you know this full of masters doing what they love and and making people have these wonderful experiences the same as in comedy but the lower when it's not that then I'm like oh god I'm just I'm scared for no reason I'm disgusted for no reason I'm like and I'm like those are things that I don't like feeling <laughs> so I guess when you say like you like to support like I love comedy but I wouldn't tell everybody to watch every comedian like if I watched a comedian I was like hmm not my favorite I wouldn't be like everybody watch for yourself and find out if it is your favorite god,
3: you really hate Jim Jeffries I'm
0: not I love Jim no, Jeffries you I he's my favorite horror comedian. Uh, So Jonathan, I guess I, I don't know if I have a specific question to you, but I don't know if you wanted to speak on and like the reason, like if you see a horror movie and you think it's not only like you don't enjoy it, but you think it's like technically not as good if that's a, you know, there's, I like it and there's, it's good. Like you can definitely not enjoy a movie that you think is good. But I guess my question is just like, would you say like everybody watch any horror movie all the time? Is that words that I'm putting in your mouth?
1: So the way that I approach it is I recognize that, there, that this wonderful world that we live in is full of such a diverse amount of people with such a wide range of tastes that I recognize that what I may like and what I may dislike is not going to necessarily fall in line with other people. And I experience this not only with my peers, but also with my bosses, with my friends, with my family. Uh, A good example was I saw Rampage earlier this week, the new uh, Dwayne Johnson film, and I didn't particularly like it. I gave it a two out of five in my review. However, my boss, uh, Steve Barton, he saw it, and he messaged me saying that he really enjoyed it. And so there's no... Uh, there's no bad blood, there's no right. kind of <laughs> questioning between us, like, in terms of, gosh, what does your taste say about you? It's just to recognize, I just recognize that he enjoyed it, I didn't, and that's perfectly fine. And so, another example is Truth or Dare hits theaters this weekend. It's another film that I really did not like, but I had many people saying, look, it's a Blumhouse film, and For better or for worse, their track record is really great, which, in my opinion, I agree with. So they say they're going to go see it to support a studio that they love that puts out overall really great content, and they'll make their own decision, to which I replied, by all means, go ahead. You've seen what I've said about it. If you go and enjoy it, more power to you. If you didn't enjoy it, I'm not going to sit here and go. I told you so. Right. <laughs> I'm simply going to say that clearly. We are we are in agreement. We are
0: in accord about this. Perfect answer. You so, passed my test. <laughs> well, we've
1: <laughs> got about
3: two and a half minutes left here, so we've got uh, where are we going now? Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I love that
1: movie. That yeah, is one it, of my my silent a, favorites too. It's it's a phenomenal film. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, then we're going to jump to Stuart Gordon's Dagon, which is a Lovecraftian film, well worth checking out. I highly recommend watching Cole McCarthy's The Girl With All the Gifts, which is a very interesting take on the zombie subgenre. Then you've got uh, Masaki Kobayashi's Kwaidan. Don. It's a Japanese anthology horror film from, if I'm correct, 1964. There was also, and I think I changed up just a little bit again here towards the end, Vincenzo Natali's Cube. Bill Paxton's frailty, and then Kiyoshi Kurosawa's *Kairo*, which was remade in the United States under the film titled *Pulse*. We did it
3: nicely done. So those are your top two, thirteen picks. Uh, you know, one of the I, I thought this was a, a really nice little twist on the the zombie genre as well. Was Arnold Schwar- Schwarzenegger returned with the movie? I think it was called *Maggie*. Yes, *Maggie*. Mm-hmm. That was a really well really? done and and a totally different take on on the zombie fetish world that that
1: people love so much. Um, Also, Fido was another good one. Uh, Yeah, and that's the thing. What they did was they took the concept of zombies and saw what could they do that used zombies as the foundation, but the story was built around something else entirely. So for Maggie, it was about the emotional destruction of having a family member kind of succumb to these changes. For Fido, it was, what if they were our pets? How would that impact mm. us if instead of fearing them, we started to, to develop an emotional bond with them. Can I ask, And oh. as I mentioned...
0: Yeah, sure, go ahead. I, just, I know that we're short on time. About 30 seconds. Yes yeah. or no question. Uh, I guess to follow up from what I said before, as a comedian, I love watching all kinds of comedy, even comedy that I don't enjoy I like watching. Do you feel that way for horror? Like if you watch a horror movie that you don't like, do you still like watching it?
1: Yes. I still have fun with it because there's always something that I can look at and say I at least enjoyed that aspect of it. That makes sense. All right.
3: Well, check it out for yourself, and he will tweet this on, online. Thank you, Jonathan Barkan, the top 13 list of uh, horror movies to check out on Friday the 13th. Stay tuned. We've got more to discuss here on The Tom Bernard Show.